0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading through the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter. Now we're moving on to 1 Samuel chapter 5. So they've got the ark. What's going to happen next? And uh, this is is one of these chapters I love how funny it is. I mean, it's just—you don't don't appreciate this sometimes if the the person who's reading it to you is half asleep themselves— but I mean, if you actually go through this story, it's, it's it's a comedy, you know. This is like I'm thinking of all these situations where like a kid is uh, like taunting another kid, you know, like maybe like a bully, and they say, "Oh, stop hitting yourself, stop hitting yourself." It's like, "Dagon, stop prostrating yourself, stop prostrating yourself." I mean, like it's just one of these chapters, a lot like uh, in Daniel uh, with the the golden image or things like that. So, who's to say that uh, there's no sense of humor? in the Bible. There certainly is. Uh, but what's behind that humor, and what's it getting at? Like this mocking of the the gods of the Philistines. Well, I mean, pretty important considering the, the beating that the Hebrews took in the previous chapter. Joining us today, we've got Pastor Curtis Dieterding, pastor at Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida. Good to have you back, brother. I understand that you're uh, not, not going into the office right now, as many of us are not. Uh, we have you on your cell phone, though. Glad you could join us.
1: Yes, let's pray that the reception continues to be as as good as it has been here lately. So uh, it's just starting good. to cloud up, so we'll see what happens. Uh,
0: yeah, I I, I never... Uh, there's some kind of irony where it's like the closer I get to my house, the worse my cell reception is. I mean, you know, so there's this awkward spot, right, where Wi-Fi dies, but my right. cell signal's also bad. And it's just like, oh, don't get in the twilight zone.
1: That's exactly right. So. <laughs> So I, I just uh, wanted just to mention it was interesting that uh, we were moving up to uh, First Samuel uh, today. I know that uh, you've been covering this now for a number of days, but uh, years yeah. ago I was actually asked to be the coordinator of a special project in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod called uh, Project Samuel. Um, it was actually uh, it was actually uh, my office was actually at St. Paul, Minnesota, Concordia. It was it was Concordia College when I started Concordia University when I when I left up there. But uh, the yeah. purpose of it was to actually uh, promote church careers throughout the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod among the young and also among those who might think of a church career as a second uh, second career. So. Um, and we based it on, uh, first Samuel chapter three, which was a couple chapters ago, but
0: Uh, I just thought
1: thought maybe, maybe I should share that with you. And it was just a, it was a church careers recruitment program and it ran for about four years.
0: Uh, Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. And, uh, I mean, well, I mean, I, I like hearing just, of course, these, like, you know, anecdotes of all the different stuff that's going on and has been going on, really, I mean, for some time. And, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, it's different sorts of uh, church church uh, training or church uh, equipping, you know, initiatives. Uh, and, and you think, like, oh, well, look at this new thing. Well, it, it's, it's usually... Uh, not something that's brand new. It's just maybe a, a brand new name or uh, branding or something. Right. <laughs> but <Right. laughs> but, exactly. but you know the, the church has been doing a lot of these things for uh, some time. Well, a lot of, and, a, uh, lot of uh,
1: a lot of recruitment committees uh, throughout the, all the districts back in the back in the day. That a lot of uh, recruitment committees began to try and encourage churches to actually do more. Um, you know, like like put the careers out there, put the colleges out there. Uh, you know, in your in your narthex, in your in your hallways, uh, actually be more intentional about talking to the kids about uh, what what life is like working uh, as a pastor or a teacher, director of Christian education. So, um, and it was based yeah. on you know the the foundation. The reason it was called Project Samuel, of course, is the calling of Samuel uh, uh, with Eli there. So yeah, so it's just yeah. uh, it brings back some memories for me.
0: Well and the other thing about it too that's uh neat, neat about your description too it's uh you know it it's it's an interesting contrast of course between the the process that actually happens which involves right. uh you know recruiters and education materials and you know like a, a pastor perhaps saying you know what, i think that you know maybe you should consider the ministry uh, and the rest of it with you know the call of Samuel uh which was uh yeah <laughs> i mean he was he was signed up to to be a, a priest uh before he was even conceived that was that was kind of the deal uh, <laughs> that that Hannah made, and then um, so anyways, it's it's just kind of we were talking about that a little bit yesterday, just about how uh, you know uh, Samuel's or not la- yesterday, but the day before, how Samuel's call is just uh, uh, sometimes. I think we you know we we take it as like, oh well, I want God to call me like that, or I I wish I heard right. a, a small <laughs> voice, you know, and it's like, well, you, you know, th- this is a very particular circumstance, and be careful what you wish for. Um, so, so, when, so when did
1: you hear the small voice?
0: That's <laughs> right, that's right. I'm still when, hearing it when right did now. You, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: No, no, when, when do you—how are you called in? I mean, what, what, uh, what got you to thinking about uh, becoming a pastor?
0: Oh, I see. Uh, metaphorically, yes. Uh, well, you know, this is probably something that is actually kind of also ironic in light of 1st Annual Chapter 3 um, with— uh, <laughs> Eli's sons not uh, turning out that well in uh, Hophni and Phinehas. Uh, so my father's a pastor, and so it's one of those things where it's kind of always before you. Uh, but yes, yeah, something that you never can take for granted um, as Hophni and Phineas and then several generations earlier as uh, mm-hmm. Nadab and Abihu uh, found out to their dismay. Right,
1: right. Yeah, my dad was a pastor also, a strong influence. Uh, you know, you follow... You follow your father, and and you see what the Lord is doing through him, and and you can't help but ask yourself if whether or not I'd be be a, I'd be called to be a pastor, you know, too. And so, yeah, yep. so that's interesting. Yep.
0: Yeah, know, certainly, and uh, you know, thank God for you know these examples that God puts in our lives, because I mean, that's really, I think, uh, how how this stuff happens the best was like in the context of these. You know relationships, uh, or if if not, you know father or son, but like uh, you know maybe like a parish pastor who uh, can spend some time at that parish and who's you can see that the the youth develop and go through catechesis and all the rest. And uh, anyway, anyway, God. but uh, going back to to that thought of you know be careful what you wish for <laughs> in in the case of uh, every everyone that was uh, asking for different things in the first few chapters. The Philistines have wound up in a similar situation. Uh, be careful what you wish for. You wanted you wanted to go capture their gods, huh? You wanted to, you wanted right. to capture the god that did all those terrible things to Egypt. Is this a really good idea? Um, and that's what we're going to find out today in this chapter. So, uh, but before we we uh, go and spoil everything here, uh, let's let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer, brother. If you would uh, say a prayer for us.
1: Almighty God, when we come before you today, we come before a word that that shares with us uh, that you alone are the true God. There are no other gods that we should ever put before us and worship. We we pray that you would continue to hold us steadfast uh, to knowing you as the one and only true God. We know that at times we try to put other things as gods in our life, ahead of you, and we pray that you would help us to continually be in your word, to know that indeed uh, you alone are the one who has not only created us and given us this life, but you have created and given us all the good things that we use uh, from day to day, our daily bread. Continue to bless us today as we are fed by your word again, that we might continue to grow in the grace that is ours in the knowledge that you alone are God, and that one day we will, because of all that Christ Jesus has done for us, be in your presence forever. It is in the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray for your blessing upon our time together.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. All right, well, we've already got some questions coming in, but uh, I'm going to uh, say that we should go ahead and read the chapter first. <laughs> um, anything else? It is a shorter chapter, uh, but a- anything else we've kind of already talked about it that might bear worth mentioning before we go ahead and read it through?
1: Um, I don't think so. I think I think you probably would have laid out what happened with the Philistines and all what they had done as far as uh, defeating Israel, uh, capturing the ark, um, uh, Phineas and uh, Hophni, uh, both would have been uh, uh, taken care of as well, and then the, the freak accident of Eli falling over and breaking his neck uh, in his old age. Right. Um, yeah, it's just you know, it's kind of where we're at at this point. Now what are the Philistines going to do with this ark? <laughs> that's, what's, yeah. that's what we're going to find out today.
0: That's right. Well, and, and then kind of uh, just occurred to me as you were uh, summarizing chapter four. You know, just uh, less the Philistines think that they're going to get off easy, right? And that only uh, Hebrew, uh, the Hebrews, are going to be suffering all these misfortunes, right? Right, uh, right. No, it's 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 not like they're you know Scott, getting off scot free, or you know, like God has changed His mind here and adopted them. Um, not yet, anyway. But <clears throat> chapter cool. chapter five here of. Behold, Dagon had fallen face downward on the ground before the Ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both his hands were lying cut off on the threshold. Only the trunk of Dagon was left to him. This is why the priests of Dagon and all who entered the house of Dagon do not tread on the threshold of Dagon and Ashdod to this day. The hand of the Lord was heavy against the people of Ashdod, and he terrified and afflicted them with tumors, both Ashdod and its territory. And when the men of Ashdod saw how things were, they said, The ark of the God of Israel must not remain with us, for his hand is hard against us and against Dagon our God. So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, What shall we do with the ark of the God of Israel? They answered, Let the ark of the God of Israel be brought around to Gath. So they brought the ark of the God of Israel there. But after they had brought it around, the hand of the Lord was against the city, causing a very great panic, and he afflicted the men of the city, both young and old, so that tumors broke out on them. So they sent the Ark of God to Ekron. But as soon as the Ark of God came to Ekron, the people of Ekron cried out, They have brought around to us the Ark of the God of Israel to kill us and our people. They sent, therefore, and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, Send away the ark of the God of Israel, and let it return to its place, that it may not kill us and our people. For there was a deathly panic throughout the whole city. The hand of God was very heavy there. The men who did not die were struck with tumors, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. So, yeah, it's... uh, I mean, I guess I was saying you know, there's something kind of comical about it. I mean, it's kind of a black comedy here you know, in the sense of, you know, it's a kind of dark theme, <laughs> uh, you know, comedy with uh, people get, being struck with, uh, you know, panics and, and tumors here. But I, I think there's something about that where at least uh, maybe if not, you know, comedy, we, we would perhaps more accurately use the word parody. Um where where it's just you know it seems like you know here we go we're gonna try this and then this happens and well let's just try it again then this happens and it's just like the Philistines just you know it, it's kind of like God saying uh, not that way uh, not that way that way you know just kind of like closing all the doors.
1: Yeah, you know, out of all of out of all of what's read here, and I agree with you. You know, it it is uh it's a it's a comedy of errors in the fact that they keep making the same mistake over and over and over that no matter where you take this it's going to it's going to impact the people that have the ark of the covenant in in it, in their presence um one one verse and I I didn't catch this earlier when I was uh, looking at this text but one verse that kind of stood out for me this time as you went through was in verse 7 as to what the people yeah. said, and I found that very interesting. They said, The Ark of the God of Israel must not remain with us, for his hand is hard against us and against Dagon, our God. I'm yeah. like I'm like, Well, what has their God actually done to show its power and its supremacy ever? You know, hmm. you you would think we're would would some uh, not be converted <laughs> to say, this is unbelievable power that this that this presence of this Ark has here with us? And uh, you don't see that happening among the people. I find that all the way through. You know, they, they were like, mm-hmm. wow, their God is bigger than my God kind of thing going on here. But um, yeah. you don't ever see them go, wow, our God's never done anything like that. It makes you wonder, <laughs> did any of these gods, or at least in their minds... Yeah. Or in myths that they were holding on to, that the, that these gods had done things that were showing their power at one time. It's just it was just an interesting comment there that it made as though there was no uh, uh, no possibility of conversion at all. I mean that was just kind of interesting as we came through yeah. that. They just do recognize the power of the other god,
0: but right. they
1: don't recognize it as the only god because they have a god too.
0: Yeah, that's a really good question, and I appreciate you bringing that out, because I think it's the kind of thing that we all ask ourselves at some point when we're going through the Old Testament, and we just think to ourselves, man, like, if I had been around then, you, you know, you just kind of think, like, I would have, you know, converted and or repented or uh, gotten the message, you know? Uh, I mean, it, just, it seems like to us, it's like, man, if something like that happened today, right? You know, like, if the, every time, the, you know, this, this gold box gets brought into a city, you know, stuff breaks out and stuff. I mean, we're going to be like, I don't know, putting a Geiger counter up to it. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be like, something's going on with this, right? There's something something real here.
1: (laughs) I I honestly think that that was the mindset of people in the nations around Israel. I think they saw all of their gods and the God of Israel as just another God. And I think that's probably why there was no movement, you know, of the people toward that. But if, you know, had they actually experienced or seen Dagon actually have that type of power um, to where, you know, it's supernatural, it's not a natural thing that happens. Because in each of these cases, the supernatural activity that took place that comes from the divine is that they develop tumors, and in one case, even death uh, occurred. So, yeah, it's just... you know, because we don't think that way today. You know, we think that—I yeah. think, I think more in our cultures today, all of us who have a God believe that our God is the God, where back then I think people did actually think in terms of that everybody has their God, you know, and that that was kind of a more of a typical way of thinking uh, among the people. I don't know. It's just—that's kind of the feel I get from, from that comment.
0: Yeah. I, I think— Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. That like it's just a totally different way of looking at the whole world. Um, You know, one that yeah, it's just full of gods, and that's just sort of obvious um, from their perspective. And and we we've talked about in connection to Daniel how it was kind of as obvious as there's stars in the sky and there's a king. Like like they connected all those things and just said, I mean, what what are you talking about? Like there's no god of the Philistines. Like he's his, you know, his, his king's right over there, you know, like the, the stars right up there in the sky. Um, is that, that, so just, just a very different way of looking at the world that I think includes, uh, an important word you said there was supernatural. Like, I don't think they made a supernatural, natural distinction, uh, not, not very closely. Um, you know, I think it was, you you looked out at the world and like, uh, th- there wasn't some kind of like, oh well, you know, these are these are kind of natural processes that we've found using the scientific method, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just sort of like all this stuff just happens, um, and, <laughs> and and it, it seems like it's all connected somehow, you know, and, and we kind of fill in the blanks with, you know. Basically, magic or uh, astrology or whatever else the case is. So, I, I think that's interesting because uh, th- what do they say about the God? Right back in chapter four, the God of Israel. You know, they, they've heard uh, the message; they, they've gotten the, the you know the word on the street, um, and, and the word you know is that well, this is the this is the God. It was back in verse eight. These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with every sort of plague in the wilderness. Right, mm-hmm. so I mean, they've heard of this about these plagues, but you think again about the plagues, right? Like, how many of those things were, you know, what, what we would even call super supernatural, right? Um right. They they were, I think. I think I've heard a good term used for it before that, in some ways, uh, the, the plagues weren't necessarily like supernatural as much as they were, hypernatural, or at least that's kind of maybe how it would have been seen at the time. That's just kind of like. Well, that's a lot more locusts than usual, you know, and it's sort of like, uh, it, it was some sh- surely some god is, is responsible, but I bet they would have thought, but you know, I bet Dagon, if you like, you know, let him warm up or, you know, took him on his good day, could could bring even yeah. more locusts. You, you know, like, I, th- I think that was kind of like, there was always a uncertainty about all this.
2: Yeah, it's yeah, it's just it's just uh, it's just interesting to just hear how they responded because you know obviously in our time and our age, uh, I think we do. I think we think very differently than what the flaw was there because I'm sure people look at that and go, you know, it can be very confusing if you're coming at it from um, our perspective today. You know, that, that was the only point I was trying to make. Sure that, yeah.
0: Yeah. No, but it's it's a it's a good point and uh, one that I think always is so important for these stories, right? Because we, we can come away with a very message from the story when we just take our own perspective. But uh, thinking about what the story was uh, kind of speaking to for, well, for the uh, ancient Hebrews who are reading this, uh, but then the events themselves to the Philistines and the Hebrews, uh, going back to verse 1 then, you know, so uh, they, they bring it uh, from Ebenezer to Ashdod, which is just to say that they take it from uh, the place where they defeated the Israelites. Well, so, I mean, uh, we remember that Ebenezer was their camp, and that the The Philistine force, after defeating them, chases them back. So, the thought is that they would have been chased back all the way back to Ebenezer, uh, where the, where the slaughter would have continued. So, uh, okay, so they they bring it back after this crazy route, right? Uh, and they put it into the house of of Dagon. Uh, I I think that this is another example of just how this just made sense to them. They were like, "Hey, we just slaughtered thirty four thousand Israelites, like nothing." clear i mean i mean this is a sort of victory that's told in the book of Joshua so i mean i think they think to themselves clearly dagon has trounced the god of israel and so like they when they go and i think they they put this in there with dagon it's like we're just giving him his loot i mean he he just he just beat the guy so of course he's going to take his gold box uh i i think it's in that way that yeah like this is like super logical and not some kind of active uh superstition or hubris as we might suspect
2: so um so, you, know, you said there was somebody there were a couple of people already had some questions you said earlier
0: yeah, yeah, so in verse four uh that that's where the the first question that, that that comes up here, so you know you you get this falling down on uh on the ground, so you know the, the, these are the same sorts of words I, I think we should I should point out that are used for for bowing right so uh, that it's, it's clear what's what's going on that the word for bowing isn't used because you know it's a you know statue falling over uh but but clearly that you know that that's that's what we're supposed to be taking away from it so the, the question is here um uh well is more like a comment here it's just uh the the image uh of the hands uh cut off it's of uh uh, an enemy like a prisoner perhaps who is uh you know decapitated you know cut off i mean this is like a like an enemy this is like a, you know maybe some of the people that they would have captured from the fight what they would have like done to them you know you think of I know, ancient castles with putting people's heads on spikes i mean uh it, it's just really interesting how even in defeat god is just humiliating the philistines
2: now, it's kind of interesting that you know you get the the hand of the Lord that's heavy against Dagon, and then you have the hand, um, the hand of Dagon, are no longer on yeah. him. <laughs> you notice know there's probably a reason why it was worded the way it is too um, to show uh, that God's hand is is absolutely stronger because He is the true God.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't even notice that, but right, yeah, and they even actually say it—the Philistines themselves—the hand, right of uh, the lord is heavy upon us right so yeah, they're the ones kind of making the connection even perhaps um so so you, you get this uh the, this description of of dagon being humiliated they they think that dagon had trounced the god of israel but looks like it's the other way around here um and then you get this comment that to this day we should talk about what that means uh this has like altered the way that the philistines do worship because it's like whoa we we we've been scarred by this event what the take a look at that what is he talking about with this day well we'll look at those questions when we get right back hold on everybody looking at first samuel chapter 5 on the strong word Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at 1 Samuel chapter 5, and uh, joined by our guest today, Pastor Curtis Deerding, pastor at Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida. We're just talking about this story here, how the Philistines think they've won, they think their God has won, you know, Dagon slaughtered over 30,000 Israelites. Clearly, the God of Israel is nothing and well, uh the God of Israel is proving that no he he is something and in fact, um he can do all this to them, one hand tied behind his back, cutting off both the hands of the other guy. Uh just lots of all these sorts of kind of twisted around on you um almost uh comical reversals here. Uh if you've got a question or comment for us, we've already had some uh, some kind of observations here that we should talk about. Uh, Roll in on Facebook, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa for the live stream. You can also give us a call if you've got a question for me or Pastor Deerding 1 800 730 2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314 821 0850. Or you can always send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. Any questions or comments? Uh but yeah, so before the before the break we were just turning here to uh to verse five, and it's just sort of interesting that you get this so so that's why they the the, the priests that's that's why they do it like this to this very day. That's a really interesting little comment. It seems to be one of those moments where the uh the the, the, the person who's actually you know putting the stuff down is a little bit more uh Clearly in view, it's a little more transparent. Yeah. So, what do you think? What do you think it says, and, and what it, what is? What do you think it means by this day?
1: Well, to the day that they were, yeah, like you said, like it was written down. I mean, to that day, um, you know, the, that evidently those who were still worshiping the do, the uh, God of Dagon. Uh, didn't uh, go on to the threshold at all. Um, you know, it, it becomes one of these suspicions which, um, you know, they continue to practice as they worship in, in a ritualistic style, whatever that, you know, whatever that all entailed uh, for their particular god. Um, but yeah, that's that's the way I read it, that, that to that day when this was written, that they still worship that
3: way.
0: Right. I think I, I think it's uh it's something I'm not sure exactly why um uh, it would be that way. I wonder do you, do you think it means something like you know, the priests make sure that they uh that they're not like getting basically when they're walking around they're not getting too close lest they knock Dagon yeah, so they don't over get, so,
1: again. Yeah, so a yeah, so part of it a part of the god won't fall on them and kill them. <laughs>
0: So, well, yeah, right. right. So it doesn't fall on them. I mean, like, or or I don't. know, I mean, like, it says there's only a trunk left. So they're like, you know, if any more of them breaks off, like there, <laughs> it's not going to be much, much Dagon left.
1: Much um, it? it makes you wonder. It makes you wonder how much faith do they have in this God, and uh, what has this God done for them? You know, our God does for us yeah. all the time, but what does their God do for them? And you know, that which brings up a good point, because if you look at a lot of the other false gods that people worship, there's a lot of us needing to do something for that God um, in order for that God to be appeased, or that God to look with favor on us. Uh, you know, we need to do something. Uh, in our case, you know, God, God does a lot of the doing. He's the one who... Uh, Puts forth the power to to overcome our enemies. He's the one who has died for our enemies. When you look at what Christ has done, what He has accomplished, um, you know all that all that Israel can do, all that we can ever do is just uh, continue to uh, lift sacrifices. And of course, we we learn in, in the Scripture that for us, you know, those sacrifices which please us God the most are the ones uh, of a of a of a rendered heart, one that's rented. You know, that's been um, not rented, huh, rendered. You know, as far as uh, understanding that we're sinful and that we need Him, we need His power, we need His uh, His gift and His His love in our life. Um, so, and we can't we can't earn that. But in a lot of the other uh, false gods, you know, it's uh, it's some things that 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 you have to do in order to appease your God.
0: Right. Well, and and then also too, as we see. I think we, we were looking at this back in Exodus, uh, how you have the institution of the morning and evening sacrifices, and part of that was a, a drink offering, um, with the idea being that by having uh, a meal there in your midst, this this is the way of saying—because uh, we talked about this, this eating together you know, being a big deal, uh, especially in 1 Corinthians, which we just read, uh, that that was a very meaningful gesture in the ancient world, a sign of continuity, even kinship, uh so having their god you know in their midst and and eating and drinking their sacrifices and uh there there's there's more of that from the kind of pagan perspective, yeah like kind of the, the pagan perspective there in the intertestamental literature it's like uh was it it's uh, Baal and the dragon um you know from the apocryphal sections of of Daniel uh but but so just to just to have all of that i mean it's it's this must have been really disturbing to the Philistines because it's like, hang on a second. Um, Is our God still here? Um, Can our God still eat with us if his head's fallen off? Can he still pick up the food if his hands have been cut off? I I mean, like it it was a serious, a serious question I think of, is there God still there if all that happened to the statue, which in some ways is uh, actually kind of a scary reversal for them that, that, that uh, this is going from the Ichabod situation of chapter 4 to Ichabod on the Philistines too, because the glory of Dagon is very questionable at this point.
3: Yeah.
1: And, you know, we we definitely, this is a mark of God, too. I mean, to, uh, to put a plague upon somebody, we know that uh, you know, I, I couldn't help but be reminded that uh, this is very similar to the sixth plague that happened against uh, the Egyptians. You know, when God uh, you know, p- placed ten different plagues upon them, and, then, and that one was one uh, boils, I believe was uh, was that one. And so, I mean, this seems yeah. very similar to that. So, uh, it's interesting uh, that you know the presence of God was there among the Egyptians in the, the prophet Moses in, the, in in his person, and every time he spoke that word, the power of God was so powerful. I mean, it just it it accomplished that for which it was set. Out to do, and uh, it's interesting that God is silent through all this. We don't we don't hear God speaking, uh, but we see God in action. We see uh, that that there's definitely a connection between that Ark of the Covenant and the presence of God, and what that meant for the people of Israel. I- Israel could definitely understand uh, that this power and this kind of uh, uh, work that God does uh, just in their own past history, how God has performed this okay. way before
0: yeah I, I think that it is a big deal that that God is doing this and showing that even in the midst of this disaster this defeat, which uh you know was leading people to say you know Ichabod and name their child that um you know yeah. like has god abandoned us uh God is yeah. very much alive is what he's demonstrating yeah. here, and he's demonstrating his his uh his faithfulness that that he's actually he's actually gonna even attack israel's enemies even when israel's enemies are, are beating them you know so it's like he, he it's not that he has the problem he is faithful that's the question we have on the phone here from james in st louis question about the faithfulness of god and the faithfulness of his people yeah that sounds like a good question tell me more james good morning
3: yes i'd like to uh, pose those questions um based on the lessons i think i've gleaned from the chapter yeah. uh is this and and i like to pose two to you and two to the pastor uh chapter. first to the pastor i like to ask if the success and failure that um befall the people of god is a result of their faithfulness and and not their public worship um the success and failure that befalls them in this chapter, in the previous chapters, and the second question believe, is: um, Okay, go ahead. Yep. Uh, uh, For the people of God, is is their faithfulness in Yahweh and their obedience to His commands what brings the nation and the people blessings? But those and are really you, good and, yeah, I like to just pose the questions to Brother A.J. first, and then I'll, I'll hang up and listen. And uh, yeah. to you, Brother A.J., um, mm-hmm. um, what about the witness of the people? It it seems to be yeah. so weak in these first few chapters. Uh, mm-hmm. And if so, is the presence of God not manifest through them in their witness and only through some sort of supernatural uh, manifestation? Hmm. and um, is there an application that can be learned of, of for us today? If our witness for the one true God is weak today, will he remove his presence and allow our nationalism to be mine? And I'll I'll wow. hang up and listen, and thanks for taking the questions.
0: Yeah, sure, absolutely. Thank you, James. I appreciate that. And that's, uh, those are some, that's some really good questions, especially— uh, that last one is is a, a profound thought to make that connection. Um, but I had some time to think about it because I think he wanted you to answer his question <laughs> <Yeah>. first. <so>. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so.
1: While you're while you're contemplating that, let me jump <laughs> on that very first one because uh,
3: yeah.
1: uh, I actually thought I actually thought through that myself. Um, you know, does it you know does it does it fall on the failure of the success of the Israelites as to how God yeah. is going to respond to us and. I'm, You know, if you go back the chapter before, and you really do have to do this, you see what happens after they were defeated, uh, before the whole Ark of the Covenant thing started. And it says, it it, it shows that the people said to themselves, why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us Mm -hmm. bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord hear from Shiloh that it may come among us and save us from the power of our enemies.
0: Yeah, that's right. They've
1: taken matters into their own hands. They're using the Ark of the Covenant as they've not been told to use it. Uh, They're doing their own plan, their own strategy. God has not spoken at all to Samuel again, at least not what I'm reading through the rest of this, this chapter. They took this upon themselves. And they figured, oh, you know what? If we take that Ark of the Covenant, we know the kind of power it has. Well, the covenant itself isn't where the power is. The real power is where God is in God's Word. And so it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, there is no failure or success that God's really looking at At Israel. What they're look. what he's looking for is faithfulness and trust that, and and for them to turn to him, you know, turn directly Mm -hmm. to God and ask god what now what do we do you know but, but you don't see that happening they're they're using this ark of the right. covenant as though it's a tool uh that they can use that it's got right. some kind of supernatural power within itself that's the feeling and that's the sense that i get as i'm reading through what right. actually took place here so uh it's not really dependent upon us uh i i think what it, what it was dependent upon was the fact that they were not faithful and 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 turning to god and trusting him
0: well, uh, yeah I, I think that uh, and we talked about that a little bit yesterday too, how it really is something that the Israelites think, oh well, God's not happy with us and and then so their their logical conclusion is like you know let's let's use the ark anyway we'll 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 make' him help us right like it's like what well, we think is yeah, gonna, yeah. gonna think that idea is gonna work um but the thing is you know again it's it's because they had Picked up enough from the philistines and uh you know and their polytheistic uh neighbors that they were just treating God like uh, another one of the the pantheon and and the pantheon can be manipulated
2: mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. y- yeah. y-
0: you can do stuff with fire and water or uh, you know fertility cult practices and these sorts of things and yeah you can make the gods listen you can get their attention you can you can right. entice them to do things uh so it really just showed just what what kind of a polytheistic uh, culture uh, Israel had already taken on, which gets to James's questions, uh, the, the the third and fourth ones, uh, just that you know what kind of witness did they have? Well, I mean, I think it's because of just what you were explaining, brother, that uh, their witness was terrible, and because the the other nations around them basically thought, oh yeah, we're all just polytheists here, you know, like like no no right. one's saying like. Oh, it's their their one god that they say, you know, that that's over all the gods. No, like, no, the Philistines say, oh, it's those it's those Israelite gods, plural. Like, Israel's witness is sloppy enough that it's not really distinctively monotheistic, even. So. You know, I think that that's a that's a really big indication of a uh, of failure there. And then, so so then the, the the question here, and I think this is really intriguing. You know, what you were getting, at, James, that okay, so you know, if, if he if the Hebrews are going to fail to testify to the the truth of the one true God, um, then is it kind of like up to God then to show up and you know do this to the, the Philistines, embarrass Dagon and the rest of them? That's a really intriguing idea, and I and I think I mean I do kind of like it because I, I think that uh, the the point of any of these you know things that are miraculous, right? Uh, is not that they're supernatural. Uh, and this is I think something that we we get wrong all the time. Like like we we kind of go through the Bible and we're like, oh hey look, that's Jesus walking on water. That's the point of this chapter. That's the big highlight. Cause it's a supernatural thing. And it's like that's just not the way the Bible looks at it. Like it's not about whether something's supernatural or not, whether it breaks the law of nature. Well, what matters is if it's something that happens that proves the message true. It's, it's an authentication. I mean, it, it's more like the the code you get on your cell phone uh, than I, I don't know some crazy like you know you winning the lottery. Um, it, it's about authenticating the message. And so yeah, James, I think that that's a that's a good uh, call that you know it's like god's sending the message cuz his uh th- that basically like hey look i'm not pleased with my people but i'm still around i mean he's confirming what samuel must have been saying about the whole situation and uh yeah i think i think it could apply to our own uh situation in different ways that you know like god god is going to hallow his name with or without us that's what luther says right we we pray that god's right. name would be hallowed among us also but but God's name is holy all by itself. Don't need to do it any favors. So yeah, God's going to hallow His name if we if we refuse to do so.
1: Now this whole this whole matter isn't going to be resolved. Of course, it do, isn't resolved in our chapter either. It's this is this is going to continue into the next chapter as well. Um, you know all the different things that and it's it, it'll be interesting as you as you move ahead to note. Are the people turning to God and seeking His help, or are they still kind of clamoring to try and figure this thing out on their own? I think that's, I think that's uh, an interesting um, uh, uh, perspective to have as you're kind of moving through these uh, this next chapter and and uh, even up to up, up into chapter seven.
0: But I don't want to get into you know, so. Yeah, yeah, no, that's. Uh, I I think that that reminds me too of something that I was thinking about. This reminded me of how when the Lord cast out uh, the demons out of the uh, the guy in the Gerasenes, right? And uh, I think I think this is the same one, right? Where they went into the the pigs, is that right? Or or am I like getting two different exorcisms Ger- mixed up right now? No, the
1: Geras no the Gerasenes where the demons were cast into the pigs.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So like that happens, right? And so it's like a, the show of power. Uh, but how do the people respond? They're responding repentance, like, "Oh, you well, clearly the true God is with this man, right?" No, they say, "Go away," <laughs> you know, and, right, uh, right. That's and, and so the, good point. This, I mean, that's it. Yes, that's, that's
1: exactly it's the same what I'm thing happened about. here.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing that happened to uh, to, the, to the people here in uh, Ashdod, right? They're, they didn't, they didn't repent. They just said, "No, just go away." <laughs> just yeah,
1: right like i said i think I, I really do i believe that the mindset was more on all the different gods that there would, would have been in the day of, of the thinking that everybody has a god and, well that was a pretty powerful one there look at that i mean all of a sudden these pages yeah. go running into them you know that's yeah, yeah that's that's an interesting that is an interesting thought yeah
0: yeah and it's it's interesting too that like it's it's not even just about like like oh well this god's more powerful so we have to start worshiping him right because you know it's like football teams it's like you know your team won the Super Bowl this year but not next year man like you know we're gonna get the you know the draft pick and I mean it's just like that's how they thought about it I mean the, the ridiculous thing is actually the closest thing they had to, to football was war at the time and probably in several ways more more than we uh, might realize. But so, like, you know, so this is the the mindset, um, you know, that they're just like, you know, it's just another God. So, so God's hand is heavy everywhere, and so uh, I, I think that we had to stop, again, like kind of stop that kind of inner uh, monologue of objections as, as we as we read this, because we say, like, oh, this seems so mean, like, you know, like why would God do this and send like cancer on all these people? What a terrible thing! And it's it's like, well. Uh, yeah, it is a terrible thing, right? Um, So were the terrible things that the Philistines were doing, but also they were not going to get the message, and God was kind of trying to make it obvious with just the statue, but clearly they basically wanted God to do more to be convinced. Yes. Good points. So so, what do you think um you know about the tumors themselves? you mentioned that there's a coincidence between that and the sixth plague of egypt uh what what do you think that might be getting at I mean or is that getting at anything
1: well, I, you know I mean the plague of egypt uh, calls it calls them boils, you know, but uh, these tumors could have been you know some type of a boil, and we don't know you know exactly what what that is, but um we see that indeed. Uh, when you uh, definitely uh, defy uh, God and his will, that bad things are going to happen to you. And uh, in this case, um, everything from uh, these painful boils, they must have been, or, or tumors, they must have been painful in the sense that uh, the, the, the entire section here, this chapter ends with the men did not, who did not die were struck with tumors, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. Now, it's kind of interesting. It doesn't say it's just the men who have the tumors. I don't know if you noticed that. But as the cry of the city went up to heaven. Um, And it's interesting that that, uh, the direction is toward where the God of the Israelites is seen to exist. So it's just, uh, I, I found that kind of interesting. It was almost like well that's getting close <laughs> to maybe uh thinking that maybe that is a, a true God, but I think they always i think they still continue to look at well he's just another god uh right. instead of seeing God as the only true God and that there are no other gods you know so that that's kind of interesting it's just uh, it just validates you know why that commandment was spoken the way it was you know to to not have any other gods before us Now, we've We've created gods, of course, within our own lives and our own uh, uh, positions in life. Um, and and uh, they're just as, as, as bad in our lives when we start to put our faith, our trust, our hope, our security all, all in those gods. Um, that's why I, I believe that, that Jesus spoke so much about money, that, um, because it, it can easily possess us and uh, become a god to us. You know, we start to put all our faith, trust, and, and security and, and hope in that instead of in the true God. So yeah, it's kind of it's just it's interesting to see the response of the people. Now I think they do I, I was I was watching the, the the one phrase that they repeat over and over is the ark of the God of Israel. The ark of the God of Israel. And it's repeated yeah. over, and over and over. They are acknowledging that this ark And I want to say they're not calling that ark a god, as they would their own uh, carved idol. You know, they they look at this as this god is apart from this ark. It's but that it's they do acknowledge that this is um, it belongs to this god who is causing all these things to happen to us because we don't really we don't really belong with this with this uh, ark. But this because it is it, right. you know, it's, it's almost like they can see the sacredness of it, but the acknowledgement that it that they can somehow attach to all of that personally, uh, they they can't, they have a hard time because of the chosen people of God, which is Israel.
0: Yeah, that, that is, lots, that lots is interesting. That. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, they they do keep saying that, like the ark of the God of Israel, the ark of the God of Israel, and in fact, uh, that's that's a pattern, right? It's back in chapter four. It's the same pattern, the mm-hmm. same phrase, rather, mm-hmm. was was being repeated over and over again, right? Um, right. That I, I mean, I mean, it's it's pretty something, right? That like as you as you go throughout, um, you know, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, right? So it's very prominently introduced in verse four, um, and, and then uh, like when you actually just have this kind of repeated, you know, um, what is it in thirteen? Then uh, his heart trembled for the ark of God um and then just uh, a few verses later like so so what happened what's the news right like well uh i mean it's interesting right there's there's been a there's been a great defeat uh oh yeah your son's died uh, and the ark of god has been captured right so i mean like there's this emphasis in this repetition of the phrase for like two whole chapters here and it's going to continue
3: well in, in, but, I,
1: but at the same time but at the same time i think they I think they do make a connection that it's it's it, it's really strange, because you look at Dagon, and they see Dagon as a god, this, this object. And now they see this Ark and the Covenant, this object. If you go back to, 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 to chapter 4 again, there was a point where the Philistines were afraid, it says in verse 7, for they said, yeah. a god has come into the camp. And they said, woe to us, for nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us! Who can deliver us from the power of these mighty gods? That's where you get the understanding that, oh yeah, see, this is just another one of the gods. You know, These are the gods who struck right. the Egyptians, and there is, there is the connection right there. And I'm sure that they probably, if they, if they knew that history, then they know something of the history of these tumors as well, that this is that god. And yeah. that's what I was saying. You know, well, it's reminding me yeah. too of of yeah. those uh, of that day.
0: Well, it's interesting too. I mean, I mean, not to spoil too many things here, but like, so we're going to end up not with just uh, tumors, but also like mice or rats, some kind of you know rodent, right?
3: Uh, and to <laughs> right. your point about
0: there just being so many different kinds of gods, I, I mean, like it, it's going to be a, a maybe a little bit of a challenge to them because I don't think that there is a. Canaanite god of tumors and mice, right? Like, so I mean, I, I think that sometimes, like, we we think these things are random, but uh, they they kind of actually line up very specifically to the point where they get a message, like you are saying, like, oh, this isn't one of our gods. We don't have a we don't have a tumors and rats god, do we? No, okay, no, no, we do. We don't. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so, so so they get the message, right? Um, which is just which is just really interesting. Then again, kind of comparing to the Lord Jesus, that. Yeah, he could do and say lots of things that were very distinctive of Israel's God, Um, and yet it was still like, okay, but that's just Israel's God, you know, he's just one of many. Uh, You know, it it shows how the human heart was, uh, how it was with the time of the Lord, and how it is still today. Mm.
1: Yes. So the ark moves on.
0: Yes, yeah, the the ark the ark moves on, and uh, you know the the hope is that it will be returned to Israel, so that Israel will repent. And so, yeah, no, certainly a lot to chew on today, especially James's question, you know, just about our own witness and you know what 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 are people th- saying about you know the ark of the God of Israel, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ, because of their impressions from what we've said. Um, some good reflections here. Thank you, brother. Always enjoy our conversations. Thank God that we got through, even with the cell phone stuff. Take care.
1: Well, it's always a joy. Stay safe and sound. God bless you.
0: Thank you, brother. Everybody, Pastor Curtis Deering Zion, Fort Myers, Florida, going on to Chapter 6. Till then, I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa. Peace. In
1: cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS, your support is vital for this program to continue.
3: You can make a gift
1: safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting thy strong word.